Thank you so much, worship team. Kids, you're dismissed up through fifth grade to go to your classrooms. Love that song. That song always makes me think of my grandma. It's her favorite song. She's, uh, she's struggling with some things right now. I don't know if she's watching or not, but uh, yeah, that, that song always makes me think of her. I love that. Like I said, it's great to be together once again this morning. It's the second week of Missions Month. As you can kind of see all around the sanctuary here, uh, we have these banners. And on these banners are the names of the people groups uh, listed by alphabetically by country. The names of the people groups uh, who have yet to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the, the countries listed on here, and like we said last week, some People groups have just a couple dozen people in them. Others have uh, many millions of people in them. But these, the, the people groups on here represent over 3 billion people who have yet to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then we need to let that sink in in some ways. And not yet to believe God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, yet to even hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so last week we talked about the fact that in God's word, we see that he has laid out his mission clearly. From Genesis to Revelation, there's a thread that runs all throughout God's word about, that tells us that every nation, tribe, and tongue was created to worship God. And right now, we still have some nations, tribes, and tongues who are not worshiping him. One day, when Jesus returns, there will be a representative from every nation, tribe, and tongue around the throne. But that, uh, this, we live in this time in between Matthew 28, the Great Commission, and Revelation 5 with the nations around the throne. And that means that we have a task and we have a job to do. And so that's what we're going to talk about. For That's what we're talking about this month. So last week we saw the thread in God's Word that from Genesis to Revelation we see that. And this morning we are talking about the message of missions, the message of missions. And we're so excited to have the Widdups here this morning. And I just want to let you know the sermon time is going to be a little different. So I'm going to preach an abbreviated sermon about, we're going to talk about the message of missions. What is the content of the mission that we bring? What do we preach? So I'm going to preach an abbreviated sermon. And then uh, because the Widdups are here, we're going to, I'm going to invite Bill up to kind of share and reflect a little bit about the things that I've said from his perspective on the mission field. But I say that just to say, like, I don't want Noah Dane to get too excited when I start wrapping up in 15 minutes. It doesn't mean it's over, okay? So um, you might be thinking, there's no way you're going to get done in 15 minutes, Pastor Mike. And you might be right, but give me a chance, okay? We'll see what we can do here. But that's, what we're, that's where we're going this morning. We're talking about the message of missions. And I'm just really praying that the Lord uses this time that we have to strengthen us in the gospel, in the message that we've been given. So let's pray to that end. God, um, you've given us a mission to reach the nations. And you've given us a message to reach the nations with, Lord. And so I just pray our time this morning, our time in your word, our time hearing from Bill, God, that you would continue to grab our hearts for this mission. Help us to see it more clearly and help us to see our role in it, the, what you're calling us to do in it more clearly. God, help us to see it. May our hearts not be cold. May our hearts not be hard, Lord. And I pray, too, that the things that we hear this morning, we wouldn't apply only overseas, but also right where you've placed us as well, God. You give every single one of us an opportunity to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And so I pray, God, that you would use this time to open our eyes to the needs around us and the needs that we don't see, 
for those billions of people who have yet to hear the gospel. Break our heart, Lord, for that mission. Strengthen us for it, God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, what if I told you that there was a denomination out there that makes missions their primary goal? In fact, so much so, at the end of 2019, this denomination reported that they have 67,000 missionaries worldwide. In fact, they have over 1 million missionaries that they have sent historically. In fact, in this denomination, the vast majority of young people, of young adults, people who are graduating high school, the majority of them actually spend time on the mission field. And in fact, this denomination has set up like tons of training centers all over the United States to prepare these people who are going to go to communicate their message accurately and to make meaningful connections with people. And what if I told you that this denomination is seeing thousands upon thousands of people converted as a result of their mission every single year. You might think that's good news, except you also might have figured out that I'm kind of tricking you a little bit because I'm talking about the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, otherwise known as the Mormon Church, preaching a false gospel These thousands of missionaries going out every year, meticulously trained, very well-funded, giving up opportunities and going out and preaching a false gospel. And here's the point is that you can do everything right as a church when it comes to missions. You can build excitement. You can get people to commit themselves to to leave, to sell all their things and to leave and to go to another people. You can have, uh, you can give financially. You can train them. You can have this entire movement of people committed to missions and yet If you get the message wrong, you get everything wrong. You get the message wrong, you get everything wrong. And so when we think about Missions Month, that's why we're spending 25% of our time of Missions Month talking about the message of missions. See, even within evangelical Christianity, there have been many missionaries who've gone out with the best of intentions. They love Jesus. But because they haven't gotten the message right, they've ended up doing more harm than good. You've got to get the message right. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. What is the message? What's the message that we've been called to take to the nations? Well, it's the gospel. You stretch out that definition a little bit. And this would be something, if you're a note taker, some of you are note takers. This might be a good thing to write down. Here's the message as we see in God's word. The message we're called to bring to the nations is the gospel of Jesus by the power of the Spirit for the glory of God. It's that simple. Say it again. The message we're called to bring to the nations is the gospel of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit for the glory of God. We're going to spend a little bit of time talking about each one of those things. And then at the end, I'm going to have Bill come up and he's going to reflect on each of these three points from his perspective. But first... The message of missions is no more and no less than the gospel of Jesus Christ. You have to start here. You might say, well, that seems pretty basic. Why are we even talking about that? Because here's why. Any missions undertaking that doesn't have at its core the ultimate goal of preaching the gospel 
cannot be considered missions. Might be doing important humanitarian work or important relief work, but if you are going out and you do not have the ultimate goal of preaching the gospel, you're not doing missions. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 to 5 gives a clear definition of the gospel should be on your screen. It says this, Paul says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you're being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Verse 3, For I delivered to you, as of first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, and then to the twelve. That's the gospel right there. And really, it doesn't get much more simple than that. Christ died for our sins. He was buried. He rose from the dead. And whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. If you're with us this morning and you do not know the gospel, this is it. Christ died for your sins. That wasn't the end of the story. Three days later, he rose again conquered death and whoever believes in him will have eternal life no matter what you've done in your life no matter how many mistakes you've made no matter how many mistakes you are currently making (laughs) that's the gospel it's the good news that Christ died for your sins died to give you a new heart and conquer death we don't have to fear death if we're in Christ that is the gospel and that is the message that we are called to teach and preach Right where you are and to the ends of the earth, to our neighbors and to the nations. It's the same message. The message doesn't change based on where you are. I was talking to someone earlier this week about evangelism. And uh, this person was sharing with me and I just agreed 100%. I felt this in my heart. But like this person was saying that with evangelism, when you're talking to people who don't know Jesus, like it's it's pretty easy to kind of use spiritual language around them or even tell them you're praying for them or just like be a good example of Jesus around that person. But it's a whole other thing. To then turn and say, do you know Jesus? Are you following Jesus? Do you believe in Jesus? Do you feel that tension? Like, I feel that. Like, I can tell all sorts of people, I'll be praying for you. But it's a whole other thing for me to turn and ask, do you know Jesus? Do you know my Savior? Are you following him? That's what we're called to do. That's what evangelism is. If you don't ever ask somebody to respond to the gospel, you're not doing evangelism. The same is true with missions. Like I said, you can be overseas doing really important work. You can be a doctor saving people's lives. You can be feeding the hungry. You can be providing clothing, shelter. You can be rescuing people from sex trafficking. Like You can be doing extremely important work. But if you're not sharing the gospel, it's not missions it's not missions that doesn't mean that we don't even sometimes in missions we do those things to get to the point where we can share the gospel with people right yet if we leave out the gospel we leave out our mission the message of the gospel is Jesus Christ that there is no other name given under heaven among men by which we must be saved which we can be saved. He died for sins. He was buried. 
and he rose again. We've got to get that message right. The message of the gospel of missions is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Second, by the power of the Holy Spirit. We've got to get this part right as well. We're going to be in Romans 15. You can turn there if you want, or it'll be on your screen. But here Paul's talking about how he sees his role as a missionary. We're going to talk about Romans 15 more next week. But here he's talking about what he sees as his role as a missionary. And look at what he says. This is the message God has given him. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. There's a couple interesting things here. He says he's not going to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished. In other words, he's giving God the glory for what he's done. And yet he says he's accomplished these things through me, in other words, through Paul, to bring the Gentiles to obedience. And that's the first thing we need to think about here, that God has accomplished these things, yes, and he deserves the glory, but it's through Paul, the missionary, that was sent to go. And think about it. Could God right now snap his fingers or speak a word and just like drop scripture in everyone's language and every single one of these people groups like drop it in their hands right now? He could. Does he do that? No. How does God reach the nations? The church. You and me. People who are called to go to the nations. People who are called to send others to the nations. That is how God accomplishes his mission. Paul says, through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience. But then we move on. By word and deed, so by what he speaks and what he says, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God. So yes, we're called to go. Yes, we're called to be the ones to bring the message. And how will they hear unless someone preaches to them? We're called to go, but we don't get the credit. It's by the power of the Spirit of God, through the things that he empowers his people to do in word and in deed. So even though we go, even though we preach, even though we do this hard work of making disciples, we don't get the credit. It's not by our power. It is the Spirit's power. And we say this all the time. I, church, I hope you're getting tired of hearing me say this, but we need to be reminded all the time. Every single time somebody becomes a Christian, every single time you, one of us becomes a Christian, every single one of us in here who is a Christian, every single time your five-year-old becomes a Christian, every single time a 90-year-old who has lived far from God their entire life becomes a Christian, every time it's a miracle of God and nothing less than a miracle of God. And it takes a miracle for a five-year-old who's grown up in a Christian household or a 90-year-old who's been far from God their entire life. It's the same miracle. It's death to life. We have those baptism shirts, right? Raised to life. Who's got one of those shirts? Yeah. You wear it proudly because you were dead in your sin. And God raised you to life in Christ. And that's a miracle. And every single time... Somebody becomes a Christian. It's not because of your, let me talk, we've been talking about evangelism. 
somebody becomes a Christian, it's not because you came up with a creative way to share the message that would just communicate with them. And if it hadn't been for your creativity, then, you wouldn't, uh, then they would have never believed. It's not because of your convincing skills, right? You might have all the apologetic arguments in the world. It's not, all that's worthless if not for the Spirit of God opening somebody's heart to be able to see those things. So I'm not saying, don't get me, take me wrong, when we preach the gospel, okay, so let's share the gospel and let's just be jerks when we do it because it's not about how we present it. It's just about the Holy Spirit, right? No. Not even saying we don't try to be creative in how we reach people, but I'm saying I think there's this kind of temptation in the American church especially and, and overseas as well that if somebody rejects the gospel, that it must be because I didn't like, present it to them the right way. I didn't say it right, I didn't use the right examples. Or worse, maybe we think we need to like hide some parts of the gospel. Like people don't really like it when we talk about hell, so we're not going to mention that. People would rather hear when we talk about how successful and happy and prosperous they'll be if they follow Jesus. So let's just focus on those things. And what you end up with is a skewed and false gospel. The message we're called to preach is the gospel of Jesus by the power of the Spirit. So it's our job to be faithful to preach the gospel, but it's not our job to change somebody's heart. That's God's job, and it only happens by the power of the Holy Spirit. Finally, the message of missions is the gospel of Jesus by the power of the Spirit for the glory of God, for the glory of God. This is the, all these things are equally important for the glory of God. Again, if you're in Romans now, tap or turn back to Romans chapter 1. Romans really is a missionary letter, and so he opens, he closes, which we saw in Romans 15, about talking again about his role as a missionary. He also opens talking about the role that he's been given as an apostle. And this is what he says in verse 5. It says, through whom we've received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. I'm going to reread that. I'm going to rearrange it a little bit. Through Jesus, Paul says, I've been given grace and apostleship. I've been given this role to bring about the obedience that comes from faith in Jesus among all the nations. Paul says, I've been called to bring about obedience that comes from faith among all the nations. Why? Why has he been given that role? For the sake of his name. For the glory of God. This, we have to get this part right. Our goal is his glory. Isn't this interesting? Paul doesn't say, I'm going out for the sake of the nations, right? The nations need the gospel. The nations are desperate for the gospel. The people on these banners will live and die without hearing the gospel, and they don't have a hope because they haven't heard the gospel. The nations are desperate to hear it, and yet that's not why Paul says he goes. He goes for the sake of his name, for God's glory. Why does that matter, Pastor Mike? Are you splitting hairs a little bit? We need to go. Why does it matter if you're motivated by the people who don't, by the lost people, or why does it matter if you're motivated by God's glory? Here's why. Here's why. If you want to be a missionary because you're motivated by love for people, what's going to happen when those people become hard to love? Anyone have somebody that they're sitting next to right now who's hard to love? Raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. I was a trap. 
brothers, of course. How about when people you're called to reach in a faraway nation, you've sold all your possessions, you've left your family behind, you're committing to go, and those people reject you. What's going to sustain you? What's going to motivate you? It's got to be the glory of God. One of our missions partners, our church, you might have seen this, posted in a closed Facebook group last month how hard it's been for them. And here's why. These people, missionary partners of our church, have gone to a very difficult place. And they're plowing hard ground. And they, this person posted that it's been hard because the people that they're serving think of Christians as pigs. They're hated. They won't eat the food that they prepare because they think it's dirty and gross because Christians made it. They won't even sit in chairs sometimes that, have been, that they have sat in. And if their primary motivation is just a love for these people, well, these people are getting hard to love. But I'm so proud of these missionary partners because their primary motivation is the glory of God, the glory that he deserves from having worshipers from every nation, tribe, and tongue. You want to know why these nations haven't been reached yet? Because they're stinking hard to reach. Some are in closed countries where it's illegal to profess Jesus Christ as your Savior. And you need to be really creative about how you access them. It's not easy ground that needs to be plowed. It's the hard ground in front of us. And if your motivation is anything other than the glory of God, you're not going to make it. And you know what? The same is true for us here. Talk about missions, evangelism, can't just be another program at Rock Prairie, right? We all got enough stuff going on in our lives. We all have enough programs. We all have enough things that we're, called, we're like being pulled to do. If the, your primary motivation in sharing your faith is just like loving your neighbor or just feeling like it's the right thing to do, eventually you're just not going to do it. It will always just be another program or culture if your primary motivation is not God's glory on all the earth. And right here where he's placed us and the many, many lost people who don't know him right here in this county. The ends of the earth. The places that have not yet been reached. Our motivation has to be the glory of God. And so that says, well, I kind of close my part here. I just want to ask, what's your motivation is God's glory among those who are not yet worshiping him motivating you to share your faith, to live your life in a way that you're communicating the message that we've been called to communicate, the gospel of Jesus, not by your power, not by your creativity, not by your always being able to think of the right Bible verse at the right time, the right argument or whatever they're going to say. You know the exact right thing to say. It's not your power. It's your preaching the gospel. It's the, by the power of the Holy Spirit, and it's not for our glory, and it's not even for love of neighbor. It's for the glory of God. Amen? Well, I've done enough preaching this morning. I'm going to invite Bill up here now, and he's going to share a little bit of her, his perspective on these things. You can come on. Let's welcome Bill here this morning. He's going to share. I get these stools. I thought all the cool churches, you know, they have stools when they interview people, so we'll, uh, we'll do that.
Well, thanks so much, Bill, for being here. Just really appreciate your willingness to come and uh, to the whole Widdup family. We're so glad that you're here, even though in many ways we wish you weren't here. Um, <laughs> there's been a lot of roadblocks in place for uh, you guys getting back to the field, and we'll talk about that a little bit at the end of the service, and then we'll close with a time of prayer for your family. But I'd hope that, I was hoping that you could just kind of react to some of these things that we've seen in God's Word this morning from your perspective. And so first of all, with the idea that the message of missions is simply the gospel of Jesus Christ. It can't be any more than that. It can't be any less than that. So just in your time in Vanuatu, uh, how have you seen that? How have you seen the importance of that, either positively or negatively? Well, in the time of, uh, in Vanuatu, it's been over 17 years now, um, the importance of the gospel of Jesus Christ, um, not only there, but everywhere we've been around the world and, and in North, I mean, just even in the, here in Indiana, where I grew up, is having a clear gospel of Jesus Christ is the most important thing. It's the thing that pushes me. As a matter of fact, it's even just talking about it, it brings emotions up that I don't allow to come to the surface very often. Um, and because of the preciousness of that. Eternal salvation. Because we are all sinners, as Romans 3.23 says. And you know what? There's not very many people we've met today, even in Vanuatu, don't believe that there's something out there. But when God is clear, the master of the universe is very clear. Uh, and I use scripture because I can't memorize things very well. Not like my wife and my 14-year-old son who memorizes hundreds of verses all the time, um, but um, Matthew 4.12 and John, uh, John 14.6, there's only one way to the Father, one way, and that is Jesus Christ, and that's the reason why it's so offensive to the rest of the world. There's only one way, and you have to call upon that name, as Acts 4.12 says, and that gospel is living. Jesus Christ is living. It's the 66 books that we have got. It's amazing. Christ himself is living. He is the gospel. And without these nations, and without these language groups, knowing those scriptures, knowing who that they can have a relationship with, that is what draws me, is that gospel of Jesus Christ. That's also what draws me to stay and keep sharing about Christ while I'm here. Even into the town I grew up in. Okay, I grew up in Sharpsville, but I tipped in Kokomo area. Uh, I grew up in this area, graduated from Tri-Central. I served this country. And I did it because, looking back, of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he's done for me. And why is that so pot? Why do we need that? It sustains me. Because there's no way I could do this without it. And there's no way you can. Which we'll get to that PowerPoint in a minute. But we've, we've seen it so many times when people go over without the gospel at the forefront of their ministry, it fails. And I would say 90% of missionaries and ministries today fail because of that. And the reason why I say 90% of them is because the other 10% are, a lot of times, biblically based or full of money 
as we've just learned from the Mormons. And in doing that, we've seen that today a veteran missionary, a missionary that is considered a veteran who has been there for years, is now six years. Six years on a mission field considered a veteran. I've been there 17, and I know two others who have been there for around that same amount of time in Vanuatu, evangelical missionaries. Think about how many years that's been removed from us to get an average of six years. And that's around the world in missions. Christ himself came to this earth. The message, the glory of Jesus Christ, the gospel came to this earth and spent 30 years. And that's why I do what we do. is because I want Jesus Christ did on that cross for each and every one of us. And there's the only way to get to that is through his son, Jesus Christ. God came in human form, died, rose again, and interceding on our behalf today. Amen. Amen. Yeah, I think uh, for me, something I struggle with, I think the vast majority of Christians probably struggle with is this idea of almost like we want to follow Jesus, but I also want to hedge my bets just enough where I can have a comfortable life here. And, uh, you know, and, and I think we do that in ministry as well. Whereas I'm gonna, I wanna do ministry, but I kinda wanna do it on my terms in the way that I can see things that I know it's being successful based on metrics that I've come up with. And that's, it's another thing entirely to step out in faith and say, God, I'm gonna give my whole life to you Whatever you do, I'm just take me. Like, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. But then also even in ministry, and my ministry is just going to be by your power, by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's, that is another thing entirely. That's hard to do. And uh, I don't, I'm not there yet. I don't know um, how you get there 100%. But, but could you speak a little bit to that from your perspective? Of what, what does that look like that you are entrusting your ministry entirely to the power of the Holy Spirit? Well, I'm still working on that tremendously. Uh, as I said, I grew up in this area. Uh, this is a farming community era, uh, or at least guys who know how to do it themselves. Uh, how many of us guys love to ask for help? Not many of us. We'll fight through it, work through it. That's the reason why most of us know of somebody that have every tool we ever need, and if not, we can go borrow it from somebody else and fix it ourselves. So I have a tendency of doing everything in my power. Um, I'm really good at it too. Um, just ask me. So, uh, but, uh, <laughs> and most of us men and women are, we have this tendency of wanting to take that power away from God. Yeah. Well, one, we're not taking away from God. We're just creating roadblocks for ourselves. Um, but yeah. two, uh, is that we have a tendency of creating programs and and projects that we call them to enhance God, to help God's word to reach the lost. Uh, to the program that will, you know, if we reword it this way, if we take care of it this way, we'll reach more people. And um, I've read an interesting book. I actually went through it with my two sons. Uh, I read through it, went through my two sons, and I went through it with my wife, and it's called Gospel Treason. 
I was surprised to see how much idolatry I have in my life. From working in a Sunday school class, to what kind of clothes I like to buy, to what kind of even tool I want to make sure I buy because it's better quality than others. <laughs> okay? Um, and I realized that the power that we have is only given to us through Christ. So why don't we use the gospel of Christ to win more people? Loving them as Christ loved us. Dying on our crosses for the power to give the power back to God or let him take it back, actually. It's kind of a very theological discussion there. But to give it back to God and say, God, here am I, use me. And it's very difficult in today, especially in our world. Uh, it's interesting because I work in a country now that is very spiritual. And we don't talk about the spiritual side of our trinity very much. Okay, the Holy Spirit. We'll use it in word, but not in practice and practicality. But I'm going to use an example of one that I remember younger in my younger years of ministry and when I didn't know the language very fluently and seeing the power of God work. And I'm sitting out among these group of men um, discussing a Mormons and Seventh-day Adventists who had come through the, the, the uh, more um, non-evangelical ones. And they were discussing these things. And I'm sitting and looking at my translator friend who had been teaching me language, and I felt like I was pretty fluent until we got out far enough away from the cities and towns, I realized the language is very different out there. And I am praying to God, and I am saying, Lord, I am messing this up. I don't understand why Tony's not translating for me. Why aren't you doing this? I'm answering these questions the best to my ability. We sat there for quite a few hours. Marcus is sitting there. He's not saying much either. And I'm like, God, why I am destroying your name. Forgive me, but I really feel like I need to answer these questions that they're asked. And I got up after that conversation Livid, I have never been so frustrated with Tony in my life or another man. And I had to calm myself down. My wife came over and said, you need to calm down maybe, but you need to talk to him. So I went over there and talked to him. And he, I said, Tony, why didn't you stop me? Or why didn't you interject or add words or help me out? And he said, Bill, it wasn't your power that was speaking. And I realized that because you were way too fluent and too theological in your explanations of words. I went, nah, it's not him speaking. I'll leave it alone until he messes it up. It was God. It was Jesus Christ speaking. And to this day, I don't know what I said. <laughs> I really don't. I have no idea what I said in that moment. But to this day, we have relationships with those men and women and the gospel of Jesus Christ was clearly shared among a couple of the guys who were Christians today said, yes, that was the clearest gospel we ever heard. But it wasn't me. I have no idea what happened that day. Besides, I was praying and asking God forgiveness for me destroying whatever was happening at that moment and give me wisdom and strength to have at least come out the way you want. So when we give that power to God, through the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is 66 books, living word, 
He, it has the power to change lives. I don't. Amen. I love that. And as, uh, it's the same spirit at work in the whole world. And I think that's something that we need to remember as well. And as much as you would never, uh, for a new missionary couple that came, you would never tell them, well, just don't learn the language because the Holy Spirit will just, you know, always communicate for you. You wouldn't, that would no. not be good practice. <laughs> and yet, there's a difference between that and saying, I'm going to put myself in maybe in a situation where I don't feel fully equipped and allow the Lord to work through me. And we can all apply that, right? There's all, for all of us, there's situations where you might say, I might not feel fully equipped for this. And that's when we see the Holy Spirit at work. And that's when we remember it's his power and it's not ours. When we're working in the only situations that we feel super comfortable in, we, that's where we need to be careful that we're not relying only on our own power. So I love that story. That's a really great example of that. And that really leads us right into this last part about keeping the glory of God as the motivation. And so how do you do that on the field? How do you separate that idea of being motivated even by good things, like by wanting people to come to know Jesus? But how do you keep the ultimate goal being the glory of God? To keeping that ultimate, um, it's one of the simplest answers that I've ever come up with by keeping the motivation of the gospel. And that answer is, I have absolutely no clue. Besides by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he's done to his word of God. And that I have those scriptures. I have multiple translations of those scriptures to keep me focused. And that's the reason why we, are, we uh, believe that because that gospel is so precious to our family that we want others to have that gospel. There's hundreds, thousands of languages that don't have this gospel, that do not have a gospel of Jesus Christ in their language, let alone somebody talking to them about it. Okay, so what motivates me is the gospel. How do I do that? I really don't know. I, it's gotta be Christ, because there's days I just wanna give up. Um, but because of that gospel and knowing that he has, he has asked and told us that we are now, as 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 21 talk about, that we are his ambassadors. He is making his appeal to the world through us, through you, to your neighbors and to the people in Vanuatu, to the people in Africa, to the people in the Middle East to closed countries and others around the world. There was a gentleman that asked me one time, said, well, what about our community? You know, I've got this guy at work that doesn't know the Lord. I've got this whole office worth of people. You know what? I've got these people up at the jail. I work at the jail, and there's nobody there to share the gospel with him. You know, I've got these people at the mall down here that work with me that fold clothes, and we put them back on the, the rack to sell that don't know who you are. And you know what he told me? He's like, you know what I was told was? Well, praise the Lord that you're there. Question is, are you doing your job for Jesus or not? Are you doing your job for Jesus? He, is, he died on the cross for our sins. He came down to a wretched world. Put on human clothes, man God. Lived a life crucified for us, rose again and willing to take the full wrath of God upon him for you. And now we have eternity with Jesus Christ when we confess 
that he is our Savior, Lord, and he has done that for us. It is really that simple. It's very simple. But without people sharing the good news and the gospel of Jesus Christ, it won't happen. And that's the only thing he's asked us to do. He didn't ask us to go out and find great jobs, to become a doctor, become a missionary. He asked us to be ambassadors for him, to share his news everywhere we go and with everyone we know. We don't shove it down their throat. We walk alongside with them. We cry with them. And we realize that we are only a vapor. We're only here for 70 years or so to share the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. Amen. Amen. I'm tempted to just start preaching all over again, but I won't uh, allow myself to do that. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. And uh, Like I said a little bit ago, we're so glad to have you here, and yet, um, in some ways, we wish you weren't here. It's been a long road. You guys have been with us now for um, several times over the past year and a half. If you don't know, um, the Woodups came uh, to the States in March of 2020, for uh, early March 2020, for a funeral, and then obviously the world shut down at that point, and um, I know you guys have been here when you come, you're smiling, and yet it's been a, a hard road the last 18 months, and a lot of not only just the waiting, but also the constant feeling of, well, I need to be, you know, trying to open every door I can to get w w back where we need to go, and then just constant closing of doors over and over again, and uh, we've uh, wept with you and mourned with you um, this season that you're in, and so I want you to know, first of all, that we love you guys. We are um, just honored to partner with you, and you. we are, um, I mean, we don't know what the Lord's doing right now. I guess we'll say it that way, uh, but we just want to continue to pray for you, and so we're going to have a, just a time of prayer over the Widup family, and I want to invite, uh, in just a few moments, we're going to have, like we often do with missionary families, have them come, and we'll lay hands on them, and I want to invite many of you to pray over them, and you don't know what to pray, maybe just, just shout out a word or a phrase or a couple of sentences in prayer to the Lord over them, and that's what we want to do, and just really lift the, the Widup family up in prayer. Um, but if you wouldn't mind just sharing a little bit maybe about what that journey's been and how we can be praying for you guys right now. Um, yeah, the journey's been different. Uh, been exciting in this journey being home. We've actually had our um, children, our oldest son, uh, his wife and son, who have announced that they'll be coming to Vanuatu with us. So that's actually been a good time to be able to um, uh, work with them and uh, help them get through that process. But... Um, it's also been a challenge to uh, kind of see a ministry in Vanuatu that you've been a part of for 17 years sustaining itself. Uh, from an American perspective, like, well, that's not, you always want that, but to actually see it happening, um, it's exciting and nerve-wracking all in the same time. Um, there's definitely areas that need to be worked on and grow in. Uh, some areas I've learned I'm going to have to let go of, <laughs> so, uh, which is good. But... Um, also just, um, it's been difficult because our heart is there, our home is there, um, but uh, it's been a blessing to be here, and the Lord has opened many doors uh, that we've never thought about uh, passing through or going through, and now we've been able to, so um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been very, very difficult uh, in a time where normally I have total control, um, 
I, ha I am known for, in Vanuatu, uh, especially among the missionaries, if there's a problem, you call Bill, because normally I have at least two backup plans for every issue, uh, and that is a backup to the issues, so um, if not more. And uh, this time, I am totally exhausted uh, of plans, and it's made me have to rely more on God than I've ever done in my life, uh, which is actually, I think, is a good thing. Give me a few more weeks. I, I'm in the middle of processing all this still. So, <laughs> uh, but uh, God has been faithful through it all. So, Amen. Thank you for sharing, and, and we just want to pray that they can go home. That's what they yeah. want, and, and, and just having your hopes up, and then kind of down, up and down, and I know that is, I can't imagine how exhausting that is, and we can all relate to that feeling of just wanting to go home and for 18 months, and so let's pray to that end, and like I said, if we'll have the Widdup family go down kind of in the middle of the aisles here, and if you guys would come, and we'll just lay hands and surround them, and just go into a time of prayer, and like I said, if you want to pray for them, or even just a word or a phrase or a sentence or two uh, of prayer for the Widdup family, we'll go into that time now, so go ahead and let's lay hands on the Widdup family. When you pray, make sure to speak loudly so people can hear.
Father, Paul says to the Romans that he desires to be with them, but he's often been hindered from coming to them, God. Paul also says uh, elsewhere that um, you suffered shipwreck and persecution and hardship and sickness. And and on top of all these things, he says he has anxiety for the churches. Those are the situations that I think of in your word when I think about the widows right now. They've desire to be in Vanuatu, but they've been hindered from coming. And it's been, in many ways, and many times, a suffering, and not only just in the frustration of not being able to go, but then the anxiety of, well, what's going on over there, Lord? And, Lord, even with all of that, with all of that, You promise us a peace that passes all understanding that will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, Lord. We don't understand this. We don't get it. We want them to be home. They want to be home, God. We don't get why it's taking so long. We don't understand. We maybe will never understand, God. God, we just pray for peace that passes all understanding, Lord. Guard their hearts, guard their minds in Christ Jesus. Just a faith. Jesus says that whoever comes to him like a child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. A child trusts their parents implicitly and just goes where they go. So, Lord, we just pray that you'd give the widows that kind of faith. Just trust you. Give us all that kind of faith, God. But, Lord, we just pray, we just... We just want to be alongside them, their desire to be home. And so, Lord, like has been prayed, if that's been, if there's been spiritual attack, Lord, we just pray for protection. And we want your will to be done, God. Your will be done. And as we pray, Spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And so we just trust that even in we kind of feel inadequate of how to pray, God, that we trust that the Spirit is interceding on our behalf. It's by His power, Lord. So we thank You. Thank You that You've given us a message of the gospel of Jesus Christ by the power of the Spirit for Your glory, God. May we all live for Your glory. May that be our primary motivation, God. Thank You for the gospel. You love us so, so much. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the, the gospel is the reason. We're singing Let the Nations Be Glad, right? Okay, I know I was going to give this long intro, and then if it was going to be another song, I'd mess it all up. The gospel is the reason that the nations can be glad. Amen? Amen?